characters on a page, but they are life. And you quicken them by putting your spirit in them and through them to touch us, to bring us to the place where we need to be. I ask you now to speak to us, to speak through me to the congregation here and to those that will be listening later, the recording, and uh, to allow us, Lord, to hear your heart and to become the people that you choose us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week I shared with you that we are called to be a people of peace, a people of shalom. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I was sharing that we are a people of shalom, some of you actually came to me afterwards and thanked me for changing the word peace to shalom because the word shalom has so much more impact and meaning packed into it than just the word peace. It is a concept that means a lot more than peace. Peace is... Uh, a state of no war, a state of peacefulness on the inside. But shalom has within it, within its meaning and its understanding of the, the word, there's so much more depth to it as to what it translates and, and means. So I shared with you that to understand our process and to understand how we can also become people of peace, the power of the cross is what guides us. And I shared with you that the first thing that happened to Jesus, even before he was put on the cross, was the crowning with the crown of thorns. I shared with you that the crown of thorns reminds us that as we enter into this process of being people of peace, that the crown of thorns speaks to us of a changed mindset, a changed perspective, how our mind needs to change so that we can become people of peace. Because naturally... We are a people of conflict. All of us, all across the planet, naturally, left to our own devices, left to our own thinking, without the intervention of God's character and, and, and input into our lives, we are a people of conflicts. Many religions work hard to instill the values of peace because these are philosophies and there are religions that have been established based on philosophies to try to help us move from the condition that we are in to a betterment, to an improvement, to make us a better people. So religions, all religions, and when I say religions, I'm not talking about Christianity because Christianity is a relationship, even though it has a religious aspect to it. It is a relationship with the God of creation who made us. So religions have all been founded by different people. Different ideas, different philosophies that have come in to help us improve. So the first thing that we understand when we look at Jesus on the cross and we see his crown of thorns is that we need a mindset change. We need a perspective change. I shared with you briefly that uh, our hands... Each hand, our right hand, represents our fellowship, our interaction with other people, and how we enter into relationship with other people, that we are entering into a peaceful and a peacemaking relationship with others that are different than us. Probably people of conflict, as, uh, as we are, that we have had conflict with. The left hand represents us serving them, 
I told you all of this last week. I'm just recapping it so that I can have a platform to go on from here. And I shared with you lastly, as we serve one another, we serve others as well. We ourselves, as the, the people of peace, serve others. And then together with them, we serve others yet. And then the feet represent us going into places that we are not familiar with. All of that was last week. But I'm going to give you a key now that helps us understand how we are to fulfill that. We fulfill that by understanding a concept that is so familiar to us that most of us, if we were asked to describe what it means, probably don't have language to put it into words. If I were to ask you, and I asked Google this question, if I were to ask you what it means, what does the word bless mean? Those of you who are at the well may remember in 2015, I took three or four months to talk about this word. And I beat it hard over and over again every Sunday. Do you remember that? Do you remember what the word bless means? Anybody? Shout it out if you do. Okay, so it's time to go back to it. Okay, the word bless, according to the Oxford Dictionary. So I heard right from the Lord. <laughs> the word bless. I heard that I have to speak about the word bless in a, a, as, a, as a means to becoming a people of peace. And I thought, but I've talked about this for so long with the people of the well that the people of Acts haven't necessarily heard me talk about it. So it's a good thing to, to remind everybody, but I'm, I'm realizing it's a very good thing to do this right now. So the word bless, according to Oxford, it defines it as pronounce a religious right. To pronounce a religious right. Is that what the word means to you? Is that what you think about it when I say, hey, listen, uh, you're such a blessed person. No, it doesn't. But it, it has that, according to the official Oxford English Dictionary, it is to confer or invoke divine favor upon someone. So when this stage was built, I don't think anybody has blessed it yet. As a religious rite. When this building was built, it was blessed. The leaders came together, they laid hands on the front door. Before they built it, they put a Bible in a bag and put it underneath the building's foundation. You know that? You're, I'm probably standing right on it somewhere up here. There's a Bible somewhere deep down underneath the foundations of this building, right? Yeah. This one. I don't know about every church. But this one, the, le the leaders of this church felt that they needed to establish this building on the Word of God. So they put a bag put a Bible inside it, sealed it up well, taped it, and, and put it there before the, the, the foundation was poured, the concrete was poured. Uh, if you walk around this building and catch the doors, you can still see it. I can see it, even from here. You can probably see a little bit of smudge along the doorposts. That's oil that myself and another pastor... When we come here and pray every Saturday morning, as we used to years ago, we haven't done it recently, but we used to anoint the oil, uh, the doors with oil, so that people going in and out would be blessed. But we didn't know the word blessed the way we know it today. So what does it mean to be blessed? By the way, each one of these chairs, there was a period that 
I would be coming in here and vacuuming the place between services on Sunday. And as I'm walking around with the vacuum cleaner, I would look at each chair and pray that whoever sits on that chair this Sunday during the service would be blessed by God, would encounter God. I don't do that anymore because we have a cleaning service. Maybe we should. So every seat was prayed for. It's still prayed for. The prayer doesn't dissolve, you know. It doesn't get vacuumed again. I don't know if he has the time. He has a staff that come in and they do the things that they do. I mean, we create a big mess every time they come in here and they clean up. It's, it's a big work. But anyway, we, we, we pray. I mean, we as elders, pastors, we pray for the, the meetings. We pray for the blessing of the people. What does it mean? What does it mean to be blessed? Ask God to look favorably, favorably upon. God bless you. You know, when we sneeze, we say that word, right? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the blessing. Okay. But what does it really, really mean? Especially in Christian church services, to call God holy. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. We sing it. It's a verse in the scripture. May the Lord God of heaven bless you. God told Moses that when he stands up and blesses the people of Israel, to bless them with the words, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he make your path straight and may he give you shalom. So what does it really mean to bless? When God created humanity, the first thing that he did is he blessed them. And he said to them, go forth, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply, fill the what? No, he's not talking to the, to the humans here. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the fish. God blessed the fish. He blessed the birds. He blessed the animals. Can God bless animals? You know, there's a church up the street here that every year, on a certain day, I notice their sign that says, bring your animals to church for a church animal blessing. That sounds funny. It's not. It's not. If we begin to understand the word blessing and what it, all, what it contains, it makes perfect sense. That was Genesis 1.28. A few verses later, he created humanity. And he created them male and female. And he blessed them and said to them, to the male and to the female, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish that he had earlier blessed, and the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So he covered the air force, the army, and the navy of creation. He covered it all, and he blessed it. And he blessed humanity, you and me, our great-great-grandparents, Adam and Eve. He blessed them for the purposes of not only multiplying. Multiplying was the means to filling the earth, which was also a means to what? To rule and subdue the earth. Our being blessed is not random. It's not purposeless. It is functional, purposeful, and directed by God so that we humans can become his instrument 
to represent him on this planet and be his agents of rulership, of government on this planet on his behalf. That's a mouthful. Let me put it another way. We are created in his image. That's what he said in the verse earlier. So that we can receive his likeness. Because the image is the outer appearance. Not only, but like the, the, the component, the, the constitutional appearance, if you will. So we are created like him in being spirit, soul, and body. We have spirit in his likeness. We are transformed. So we begin not only to be made in his image, but we begin to look and look and look and look more and more and more like him. And in the process, we represent him on earth. He put us here so that we can bring the earth under his dominion. He put us here so that we can be transformed, look like him, so that we can in turn bless the animals that he has blessed, bless the planet that he has blessed. But what does the word blessing mean? What does it mean? He also blessed the seventh day. Do you keep the Sabbath? I suspect that most of us don't do a good job with that. It was right at the beginning, before the Mosaic law was given, the law to Moses. This is not a Jewish thing. This is a creation thing. When he created humanity, excuse me, when he created the heavens and the earth, and when he set things in motion, he blessed the seventh day. And made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I know I don't do a good job keeping the Sabbath. I suspect most of you don't. I pray that the Lord's grace wakes us up to that. And brings us to the place where we begin to keep the Sabbath. Because there are natural consequences in our bodies when we don't keep the Sabbath. I can spend a whole Sunday sermon on that. That's a different conversation. But let's move on from here. But the point of that, the point of me putting this verse up, is to show us that he blessed even times. So is it, a, is it right? Is it a ritual? Like what the dictionary says here. Is it a ritual? Can you see that, by the way, or is that too small? Okay, it's too small? Okay. Is it a Christian right? A religious right to bless a Saturday? Or a seventh day? It has to be something more than that. So as I dug into scripture and I tried to look at all instances where God blesses something, the Lord showed me a pattern that I want to share with you to help you understand what the word bless means. So in my vocabulary now, whenever I hear that word or I say that word, it no longer has only five letters, B-L-E-S-S, that I look at. It has behind it immediately for me. And I pray that after today that for you as well, that as soon as you begin to think of something to bless or someone to bless or being blessed by something or someone, 
all of a sudden that triggers this thought that you begin to understand that as a people of the Prince of Peace, who is the Prince of Shalom, this Prince of Peace now has given us the authority to be his agents, not only of peace, but in being agents of peace, we are agents of his blessing. So what does that mean? If we cannot understand it, then we can't do it. So look, let's look together at the word blessing. Or the word bless. A blessing is actually something that is spoken. Every time in scripture that you hear God bless someone, he says something. There's a power that is released when we speak something out. You can write it down and give it to someone. That's just the same thing. If you're mute and you don't have the ability to speak, that's fine. You can write it down and give it to someone. It's an expression of your mind and your heart towards somebody. But it has to be spoken. It has to be released. You can't just think it. You have to impart it to someone. You have to hand it over to someone. I can bless my children all I want. But if they never hear me or read my blessing to them, that blessing is just going to be within my mind and my being. It will never be given to them. The blessings of God are written for us in the word of God. If you never open up your word and read it and receive it from him, it will just be that stored up in a treasure house that you have no access to. So the reading or the releasing of the blessing is a critical component of what we do with it. And blessing starts off with a declaration of identity. Every blessing in the scripture contains a declaration of an identity. When God created humanity, just before that, you saw when he created the fish, what he told them to do within that is contained an identity. I'll give some examples as I go on. And it's an impartation of a destiny. To the fish, he said, multiply and fill the seas. To the birds, he told them, fly the air and fill it, multiply. Within that, you see that they are birds, they're flyers. Or they're swimmers, that's their identities. And they are destined to fill and multiply and make it very full with their beauty and their fullness. He told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And he tells them their identity. That, that he, within that, he tells them that you are made male and female. That's part of their identity. And everything in this world is working hard to bring us to skip our identity, to miss who we are, to miss what our identity is all about. I'll explain why. So in the identification of the person's, or the, the, the declaration of the person's identity, God establishes a boundary and puts that person within that. So that that person, that thing, that Saturday, he called it holy. He set it apart. He blessed Saturday and set it apart. He said, in other words, he says that this identity of this day is a unique day and it's a day of rest. That's the identity of that day. Why? What is the destiny of that day? So, because he rested from all his works. That's the destiny part. When God ends all his work, when all of creation is finished, when all of redemption is finished, we will enter the seventh day of rest of God and all of humanity and all of creation. And that's where we're going. 
So within all of that, you see that the blessing of God, every time he speaks, it contains two elements. Say them with me. The first one is, it's behind me, you can read it. A declaration of identity. The second one is an impartation of destiny. Every Friday night, Jewish families all over the world get together for what they call Shabbat. Do you know what they do? And Shabbat. The mother comes up and lights up the candles and prays a blessing over the family. And when she prays a blessing over the family, her and her husband lay hands on the children that sit around the table and they speak a blessing. You know what they speak? You will be a good boy. You'll grow up and be a doctor. You'll grow up and be an engineer. You'll grow up and be a lawyer. And they're imparting identity. You are to be on top and not on the bottom. You're going to be the head and not the tail. You're not going to be a debtor, but you're going to be a lender. Why? Because they get what blessing is. They understand that they are imparting an identity to the person. Is that always the way that the person lives? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. They may take that and switch it around and do some things with it separately. And your destiny is you will be rich and you will be happy and you will have a wonderful wife. And if you're a boy, and if you're a girl, you will have a wonderful husband. He will care for you and he will supply for you and you'll have many children like Rachel and, and so on. And they bless. Now we've also seen the opposite. We've also heard the opposite. How many of us heard the words, hey, you're so stupid? Have you ever heard that? Has somebody ever said that to you? You're such an idiot. That's an impartation of identity. Is it a true identity? It's a false identity. So is that a blessing? Ah. The opposite of blessing is a curse. It's a word spoken declaring false identity. It's usually, the blessings are usually spoken by someone greater to someone lesser. Right? So let me give you some examples. When God spoke, he spoke to Adam and Eve. He was the first one to speak. He was the first one to speak blessing over any of his creation. Over time, over animals, over created beings, over humans. He blessed. He was the source of all blessing. And then he imparted that right or that privilege, that responsibility to parents to bless their children. He blessed the first family, Adam and Eve. And in, in like, they were to bless their children. And then when there were kings, the kings blessed their subjects. The king would stand up every so often, every year at least, and, and just declare a decree over the nation, over all of his subjects, over his kingdom, over his uh, dominion. And he would release a blessing over the people. It may be that he's giving away gold coins. It may be that he's reducing taxes. It may be that he is releasing a, a new thing that he is developing across the nation that's going to make it easier for them to live. And then in the religious sense, and this is where the dictionary now brought it to, they listed only this part. They skipped all of these. They made it a religious thing, and it was the priest blessing the people. When Moses, you stand up to speak to the nation of Israel, stand up and bless them. The Lord bless you and keep you, right? That's the last portion of it. But that wasn't the beginning, and that's not the intent. And within that, when these people, 
that are the lessers are blessed by the greaters and they become mature and begin to walk in the destiny that they were blessed to walk in, they turn around and they now become a source of blessing for their own graders. Bless the Lord, O my soul, David sings. The lesser now is blessing the greater. Why? Because he is declaring to himself the identity and the destiny that he sees in God. Not for himself, but about God. God, you are such an amazing God. I see you in your fullness. I see you in your identity now. I no longer see you as a harsh judging God, but I see you as a loving Father. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And I see that your destiny is to always sit on the throne. We sing that here. We sing it when we're together. We're singing blessings to the Lord. So when God blesses humanity and humanity turns around and starts blessing God, that's a sign of our beginning to understand our identity and bringing back the blessings to bless God in His identity and His destiny. When children's blessings begin to flow, you know, in Proverbs 31, it talks about the woman, right? Who is a precious woman. She gets up early in the morning and she goes and hunts down for food or, and trades and does this and that, that. And her children stand up and what? Call her blessed. Why? Because they have seen their own identity and, the, and they're now secure in their identity, walking out to their destiny. And they begin to bless their parents. Scripture says in the commandments that God gave Moses, the fifth commandment, which is bless Honor your, ch- your, your parents. Why? That your days may be long in the land that I'm giving you. Honoring the parents has within it a component of blessing the parents. You're honoring them in their identity and their destiny. When kings do well and serve the subjects well, the subjects turn around and bless their king. And you read that all over the Proverbs as far as good kings and bad kings. And lastly... When the priests do well in blessing the people, the people turn around and bless the priests. You see that all through the history of the the Old Testament with people blessing the high priests of Israel, bringing their tithes into the temple so that the, the priests can do all the functioning of the temple. When the people did not bless, in other words, when they, the people themselves were not being blessed, they themselves were not walking under the blessing. They were not walking in their identity or their destiny. They didn't bring their tithes in. And when they didn't bring their tithes in, there wasn't enough money in the temple to do the things that the temple needed to do. So you know what they did? The priests would go out and start farming. They had to get work outside. And when they did that, the cycle continued until somebody, some prophet came and said, this is wrong. To the people, he would say, repent. If you read Hosea, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Haggai and and, uh, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, you find all through there, the people have left their faithfulness to God and they had become idol worshippers until they were called back to their identity as being sons and daughters of the covenant of God and then all of a sudden they woke up and it says that they all brought their tithes and the temple was being restored and the priests were now doing the things in the temple that were to bless God. Curses, there are different kinds of curses. There are curses that result from sin. 
when we commit a sin, we open the door for curses to land on us. There is some witchcraft curses that are being spoken against us by people that we may not even know. And there are spoken curses and self-imposed curses. Self-imposed curses really are part of the curses with sin. Right? When we commit a sin, we open the door for all kinds of things to land on us and we suffer the consequences of that. So curses, likewise, are spoken words. And they're words of a false identity. And they're imparting a false destiny. And they're usually spoken by greater than lesser, to lesser. God has cursed certain things. A lot of parents have cursed their children. Most of us are part of you to that. Most of us have, spoke, have spoken words of curses over our children without realizing it. I hope without realizing it. Kings have spoken words of curse over the subjects. If you're following current politics, there's all kinds of curses being spoken by kings and priests and, and all kinds of things. And it turns around and we see this cycle repeated and we also find the same thing happen all throughout so how does this fit into us being a people of peace? How does this affect us? Now that we are realizing that we need a, a different mindset, when we realize that we need a crown of thorns that changes and restrains our thinking, right? We need the old garbage out and the new thinking in. The best way to begin to think of how you can be an agent of peace in a conflict situation at home. Husband, wife, parents, children, children, parents, brother, siblings, right? Neighbors. Is to begin to think differently about the individual that you have a conflict with. Most of the time, we think about the situation from the context of the damage it's causing us. Every conflict situation becomes a calculation of balancing the equation of the harm that's been done to me. If you begin to talk about Armenian-Turkish reconciliation with any Armenian, first thing that comes back or comes up is, are they going to give us our lands and our homes back? Right? Does that make sense? Of course it makes sense. You talk about Palestinian-Israeli conflict, what's the issue? Give us our land back. Jesus didn't do that. He had the right to demand his rights when he was being falsely accused. He had the right to come and say, I am not going to die for these sinners. Let them fix themselves and then come back to me as God. But he saw something different and his thinking was already different. That's why he came. His thinking was to see the original intended identity, and start from there. So in every conflict situation that you are facing, look for the original intended identity of that person. Your worst enemy. 
look for the original intended identity. What did God intend this person to be? The simplest, quickest answer that you can start from is a child of God. Made in the image of God, all of us are. All of humanity is made in the image of God. This one person is such a jerk. He causes me so much pain. He can't be made in the image of God. That's a lie. The truth is, this person who causes me so much pain, this person who is such a clown and jerk with me, this person is also made in the image of God, just like me. That's the truth. Okay? We start there. That's their identity. Yes, but they are sinners. Yes, you're right. So were you. Grace came knocking at your door and you said yes. Maybe Grace hasn't come knocking on their door. Yes, but yeah, but they're Christians, but they're such jerks. Oh, so they're born again believers. Okay. They're spirit filled. They speak in tongues. They prophesy, but they're such clowns. They cause me so much pain. Right. So what is the real identity that God had intended them to be? The real identity is that they would be made in the image of God, filled with the Spirit of God, adopted into the family of God, to become an agent of peace, to become an agent of blessing, to become a source of healing, to become like Christ, to become like Him in His suffering, to become like Him in His grace, to become like Him in His life-giving. But they're not doing any of that now. Yes, you're right, they're not. But that's their identity. So when you speak over them, Words that are not true to this intended identity, what you are sealing them in in your life is in the condition that they are presently in as an enemy. Are you with me? So when we speak the opposite of the identity that they're intended, they're never going to be in our lives, forgetting everything else, because in other areas they could be living this out fully. But in relation to me, if this individual is not walking out the identity that God intended them to be, to fulfill the destiny that they are supposed to be, and the destiny is to look like Christ and be a little Jesus. That's every one of our destinies, you and me. There are details of which part of Jesus we each represent. You can be, according to your function, you know the fivefold functions, you can be a, a teacher, you can be a pastor, you can be uh, functioning as a prophet, you can function in all of those areas. It doesn't matter right now. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the looking like Jesus part, the destiny, the ultimate nut, or the, 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 the what do you call it, the, the crux of it, right? The crux of your identity is a child of God, and the crux of your destiny is to look like Jesus in every way. And that's not just for you and me, but that's for all of humanity. For he loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not be under the curse, but will have everlasting life, receive the fullness of the blessing. So that's what his intent is. His intent is. So it starts with our minds being changed. It starts with our minds being changed about ourselves, about who we are. And our minds being changed about the other person. But I can't trust them. You're right. They've done nothing deserving your trust. Everything that they have done in your relationship with them has been to actually show you that they're not worthy of trust. But yet love 
trusts. Love does not keep a record of wrong. How many times will I forgive my brother? Seven times? Seventy times seven. Why? Because you're not seeing them in the identity that they're walking in today. You're seeing seeing them in the identity that God created them for. The more people they have around them that do that, the more they will begin to walk in that identity. And it's up to you and me who have been entrusted with this key to turn it. Even if we're the only ones. Even if we're the only person that sees value in this individual. Even if we're the only person that sees value in this family. Or in this group. Or in this bigger group. A nation. It is up to us to see them in the light that God has made them to be. There are no nations on this planet, that are nations that deserve cursing. Let me repeat that. There are no nations on this planet that deserve cursing. Every nation has been birthed by God, given a boundary, given a season and a time. They're all descendants of Adam, ultimately. They're just different fragments of the family that have established a home somewhere. So every one of them is intended to become a nation. And this is the prayer of Jesus. He says, Father, give me the nations. And the Father says, I will give you the nations as an inheritance, my son. So every nation, some of you sitting here may have issues in your heart against certain nations. Because they've done you wrong. And if I bring a person from that nation and put them here and stand with me, and I hold my arm around them, you're going to probably feel feelings in your heart that are going to cause you to go, ugh. I don't like that person. You don't know them. But because they're from that nation, all of a sudden you have a reaction to them. That's not godly. So we need a change of minds. In the city, there are people in different quarters of the city that have reputations. And in your mind, you have something that says, I don't want my kids to be associated with their kids. Guess what? We are called to go into those places and have our kids associate with those kids and teach our kids to see them in the light that God sees them so that we can become a source of blessing to them, so that we can become agents of peace for them, so that they can come into a place of reconciliation with their maker. This is tough stuff. Because society tells you, protect your kids. You have a responsibility to protect your kids. Don't put them in harm's way. Don't put them in schools that are bad schools, where bad kids are bullies and so forth. But the scripture says the exact opposite. Go into the dark places of this world and become agents of light, seeing as God sees, speaking as God speaks, and declaring life in the place of death. You know, last week I shared with you that when I counsel couples for in preparation for their marriage, I'd share with them the story of the coffin. How many of you remember me sharing that? When you're dating, you're shopping for a coffin. When you get engaged, you buy it. When you get married, you go in it, and they close the lid, and when the kids are born, the nails come. Right? But you know what? Every death for a Christian is followed by a resurrection. So the sooner you die... Are you with me? The sooner you die, 
the sooner you're resurrected. The sooner you begin to walk in the new life. The sooner you begin to walk in your true identity as a person who is not a dying person, but a resurrected person. If you resist it, if you try from the inside to turn the screws out so that the, the nails pop, guess what? Every once in a while, a hammer comes and boom, hits the nail on the head again and drives it back in. Because you're meant to be dead. You're meant to die to self. You're meant to die to the old nature that is the cursed nature. nature, So that the new nature comes out and so that you can live in the fullness of who you are. So in, in looking at all of these things then, In blessings and curses, I'm going to put it this way. There's a couple of secrets in the Bible that we don't normally talk about. He says that those who follow him, in other words, are walking according to the blessing. When he says this, he says that they will be blessed to a thousand generations. And they will remain forever. But those who are under the curse, remember in the, in the, in the, in, in, in the book of Moses, in the books of Moses in, in Exodus, when he's talking about the curses and uh, worshiping idols and the second commandment, you shall have no God higher than me. And he says that the sins of the fathers will be visited to the children to how many generations? Three or four. Three or four. But we repeat it so much that the three or four become continuous. But the blessing is meant for a thousand so we have a choice. We can allow the crown of thorns to change our mind. Or we can take the crown of thorns off and put our own gold crowns on without the thorns. And be kings of our own lives. We have a choice. And it begins, it begins in our relationships with those around us that are the most toxic. That's where the real victories begin. Some of those relationships are right at home. In your relationship with the closest one to you. It could be your parent, it could be your child, it could be your spouse, it could be your sibling. Whatever it is, in those relationships, there are things that God has given to us that we have areas to overcome. Yeah, but you don't know them. They come from a bloodline that is so bad. Yes, you're right. We all do. Look different, think different, believe different, declare different, speak a new identity. We actually practiced this a number of years ago. Someone, Alina, lost her phone on the bus. We don't know if it was lost or stolen. But immediately after it was lost or stolen... Salpi and Ara and Alina started to pray into it differently. They were looking for the phone back. They had gone, reported to the police and so forth. And they started to pray about this person and not call them a thief. Because that's not their identity. Do you remember? Of course you do. They started to declare this person a righteous person who knows what is his and what is not and how to bring back that which is not his to the police. And guess what? How, mu- how long did it take? Within a week, the person came back with the phone. Now, why did it take a week if the person accidentally picked it up? Right? It wasn't an accident. It was intentional. But as they prayed and declared over him in his absence that he is not a thief, 
but he is a restorer of what doesn't belong to him. He came back to the police with the phone. He says, here's this phone. It's not mine. It's somebody else's. And the police immediately recognized that it belongs to Alina. And they called him up and she got her phone back. Why? Because they were declaring the way God sees as opposed to what the facts speak. And that's an important thing, what the facts speak. Because the facts will make us weigh things and balance the equation in such a way that we have to defend ourselves, that we have to guard ourselves, as opposed to put ourselves in a situation where we trust God out of love for that person, because God loved that person, created that person in his image. I'm, I'm butchering the story, I'm sure. But the, the heart of it was identifying the person the way God sees them. And become creative in the way you declare identity over that person within the bounds of what the scripture shows us, that that person is made in the image of God to become a child of God, to inherit the kingdom of God, to walk in the fullness of these things. All of these things are easy to, for us to declare. If we overcome the, the emotion of anger and the emotion of injustice and the emotion of, I'm a victim. You're not a victim. You're an agent of his peace. You've been entrusted and have been blessed. And he blessed Abraham and told him in Genesis 12, I bless you and I make you a blessing. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that's our inheritance. As children of Abraham, we have inherited that. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that all blessing comes from you. All identity and destiny comes from you. All goodness comes from you. You have created us with a purpose to look and act like you do, to carry your presence wherever we go, to represent you and to bring restoration and light back to this earth. So, Father, I pray your blessing over each one of us. I pray that as you have spoken to us today, that we begin to see ourselves the way you see us. That we would identify ourselves the way you identify us. Worthy children of God. Made in his image. Kept by his word. With a destiny that is not of destruction. But a destiny of goodness ourselves and a thousand generations from us and our children and a thousand generations from them and their children and a thousand generations from them. So father, I pray that you open our eyes as you change our mind to see those around us, the way you see them, those that cause us pain, Lord, to see them the way you see them. Those that have caused us continuous pain, Lord, to the point of just unbearability. Give us new eyes, Lord, to see them the way you see them. And not only that, but to speak over them that identity. That they would also be transformed by your grace to come into your fullness of what you have designed them to be. We bless you. We thank you. And may this week, Lord, be filled with opportunities where we can speak life into others' lives. Father, we pray for Rob that you accompany him in his travels, that he would come home safe and comfortable. And that the time that was there was full of your presence and goodness. 
Bless his last few days, Lord, in Asia before he returns. We thank you. May his peace now go with you wherever you go. Go in the fullness of knowing who you are, what you have been made for, agents of peace to bless. God bless you.